All right, this series is all about monetization, and today we're going to be talking about paid memberships and how podcasters can make bank. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. Podcastification is all about you, teaching you how to podcast, how to put into practice the best practices that I and my team have learned in working with hundreds of clients. You are going to podcast better from listening to this show. If you like what you hear on Podcastification, please just hit the pause button, swipe to the sharing function on your app, and share this episode with somebody you know will benefit. And if you'd like to get in on more Podcastification goodness, you can do it by subscribing to our Podcast Optimizer email series. And I promise you, you won't get lots of junk. You'll just get one actionable email a week. Go to podcastfasttrack.com slash optimizer. That is enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. One of the most exciting ways to monetize a podcast audience that I have come across in a long time is the membership model. It's taking the listeners to your free podcast and moving them into a paid membership. It could be small little membership fees, $5 a month, but the more and more listeners you get, the more it grows and you can have different tiers. You've heard people do this kind of thing through Patreon, but I'm here to tell you there's a new kid in town that is much better and it's called Supercast. Today, I'm talking with Supercast's CEO, Jason Sue Hoy, who's a podcaster himself and has lots of great stories to tell about how their creators on Supercast are using the platform to do amazing things and to build a recurring revenue for themselves that actually sustains them. I'm one of those. I'm using Supercast for a project that I'm doing, and it's working tremendously well. This is my conversation with Jason Sue Hoy. Jason Sue Hoy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Carrie. Now, Jason, you are a Kiwi who lives in America. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's the accent. My my daughter actually spent some time in New Zealand not long ago and uh, really loved it. She said it was a gorgeous place. Oh, did she get to the South Island? You know, I'm not sure exactly everywhere she went, but she actually spent some time there and then she wound up over in Vanuatu as well. Oh, wow. I grew up in uh, Dunedin, which is actually, you know, when most people visit New Zealand, they don't get as far as Dunedin, but Dunedin is the southernmost major city in New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand, of course, being two islands, the North Island and the South Island. So for people that just visit Auckland, you know, our most popular city with, you know, about two million people, I kind of feel like they miss out on the best of the New Zealand. Mm. And when you think about Lord of the Rings and other movies that have really brought New Zealand as a destination for raw beauty and wide geographic landscapes, really it's the South Island that features in most of those. So if you're ever contemplating a trip, I would definitely recommend that you take a trip to go and explore the South. Yeah, definitely. There are places like that where we need the insider information. So thanks for letting us know that. It's hard to know where to go in such a vast world that we live in. Well, I want to just dive right into our topic here. Jason, let's just start out with me just giving a quick bio on you. Jason is one of the founders of Supercast, which is a platform podcasters can use to set up private feeds that they can turn into paid memberships of sorts. So it's like a bonus feed that you would have for your podcast or for your platform 
where people pay a monthly subscription to have access to that feed. So Jason, tell me, first of all, why was a paid membership type of audio platform interesting to you? Yeah, it was really something that we fell into by accident. The parent company to Supercast is a family of companies by the name of Tiny, based up in Canada. And Tiny has a range of different companies, but one of their companies called Double Up, they just started helping podcasters think about, you know, how to grow their shows. And that's on a range of different fronts. It could be, you know, like helping them build out their website, helping them think about their content strategy or just other forms of marketing to help ultimately drive more listeners. And it was through that agency that they started working with the likes of Sam Harris and health podcasters like Peter Atia and Rhonda Patrick of Found My Fitness. And these podcasters, they had already kind of experimented with a variety of different ways to monetize, and they just decided that ads weren't the best way for them to monetize. Anyone that's been in podcasting for a while knows that ads, of course, are prevalent throughout the industry, and a lot of people you know, think that that really is the only way to monetize. Whereas for these podcasters... They just didn't feel like it was a good fit for the audience and for the way they approached their content. And particularly being in health, you know, if you're giving recommendations around supplements and things like that, you know, you don't want your audience to feel like you might be biased by the advertisers or the sponsors that you have on your platform. And so they wanted to try out subscription and the idea of, you know, if you are a really highly engaged fan and you love the content that you're getting through the free podcast that you'd be able to pay a little bit you know on a recurring basis um, $10 $15 per month to be able to support further research and also get exclusive access to an extra episode a month or the ability to ask a question about you know whether drinking coke zero takes you out of ketosis or you know cholesterol related questions and get additional access to that creator that you know you're already and know and, and love and listen to on a weekly basis. And so we built out membership models for those first creators and we were just stunned by how big a business they could build, you know, sometimes into the millions of dollars per annum and seeing what that created, you know, for their content business and their ability to hire team members and their ability to further their research and really take their podcast and their show to the next level that's when we realized, oh, we can't just build this out as individual solutions for individual people. We've got to build Supercast out as a platform that the whole podcasting world could leverage. So let's back up there. A million dollars per annum sounds wonderful to every person who's listening, but we've got to kind of set the stage for how that kind of thing is possible. What kind of show and what level of success do you think a podcaster needs to attain before a membership model like this makes sense for them? To be able to unlock millions of dollars, obviously, you know, you need a big base of engaged listeners such that, you know, you're able to take a portion of those that are your most highly engaged and there's enough of them paying your recurring basis of, you know, $15 a month for it to get to somewhere near $80,000 to $100,000 a month to get to that million. Now, the beauty of the 
private membership model is that it actually scales as your audience scales. So even if you only had, you know, 5,000 or 10,000 downloads per episode in terms of your free audience, you can already start monetizing via subscription. And, you know, maybe you start with tens of paid subscribers and then it goes to a, you know hundreds of paid subscribers all the way up to thousands. But the nice thing is that there's no lower limit for when you could introduce a paid membership to your podcast. Now, that being said, when I talk to podcasters and they ask me the same question, you know, like, is it the right time for me to invest in building out a paid subscription? I think it comes down to whether you've found your niche yet or not. If you're still experimenting with, you know, who the right kinds of listeners, what's the right kind of topic for me to be covering and you know just kind of you you haven't yet got to that point where people are listening to you on a repeated basis to your free content then i would say it's not worth going into developing paid content yet because really you want to you know kind of see that flywheel turning of you know your show having a core critical mass and growing over time even if it's nominal growth, just seeing those listeners tick up over and over and over month after month gives you that feeling that, yes, I've, I've hit on something here. I've started to you know find my voice and I've started to find that audience, which ultimately forms the foundation for being able to introduce a paid membership. I would have to agree with you. I am using Supercast, as you know, Jason, but I just want to make sure my audience understands I'm a practitioner. I'm, I'm doing this myself. First of all, because it's beneficial for some other projects that I have going on. But secondly, because I really believe in this model. The thing that sold me on this actually was a post on the Supercast blog. And I don't know who the author was, but it was about, I think the headline was Joe Rogan got ripped off. Right. And it was talking about the Joe Rogan deal with Spotify last year. And it did the math on Joe Rogan's deal from Spotify and all the ad revenue he might get out of it and that sort of thing. And then compared that to if he monetized his existing listenership, and then the numbers are pretty much public information for the most part. Mm -hmm. So we could do that math. And that monetization of the public membership turned out to be much bigger. And what I think is more important within Joe's control regarding his content, what he does with the, those members, all of that. So talk me through a scenario like that. How is it that a membership model can be so powerful when there's big companies out there that may give people big deals, but that big deal may turn out not to be the best thing. So we've done a couple of those pieces. Uh, our earliest one was Joe uh, Howard Stern got ripped off, and then of course because you know Howard Stern did a similar kind of deal back in I think 2006 where he went exclusive to SiriusXM, and you know as a subscriber you now couldn't listen to you know howard for free on terrestrial radio you had to pay i think 15 maybe even closer to 20 dollars a month to be able to listen to howard stern on sirius xm you know that painted a very similar picture where you know howard of course of course you know getting tons of money and earned even you know a big bonus from being able to drag you know at least 2 million subscribers over to sirius xm from the 20 million that he had listening to him on public radio but, you know, that creates huge benefit for SiriusXM, obviously. You know, there's Howard Stern is still with that company and is still, you know, the flagship name that drives a lot of their listenership. But there's, you know, a range of different hidden costs to a model like that, whether you're Howard Stern or, or Joe Rogan. The most immediate one is, 
you know, yes, you get multi-million dollar deals when you have an audience of that size and that's great, you know, for the period of the, the duration of the contract. But, you know, what happens after that contract ends? You know, the reality is that a lot of the value that you're driving to those companies, the company then owns from that period onwards. So you think about those 2 million subscribers that Howard Stern sent over to Sirius. You know, if he were to leave Sirius, they're already stuck. You know, they're already listening to him on Sirius. He has no ability to continue to nurture those relationships or to bring those across to some other platform because Sirius now owns those customers. Same thing with Joe Rogan with Spotify. You know, in introducing that audience to Spotify and going exclusive to Spotify, you're training all of your listeners to go and become Spotify premium members. And so if, you know, at the end of the two years or three years, we're not quite sure how long that deal lasts, but uh, at the end of that, what are you left with? You know, a whole portion of your audience base might be stuck on a particular platform. They might, you know, then stay with that platform and you're left with, in Joe's case, you know, it's a licensing deal. Your revenue goes from, you know, millions of dollars back to, you know, zero and having to rebuild that from scratch. Those are, you know, just some of the the hidden costs and the whole point with the membership model and the way we did the math was that we showed that with industry standard rates of conversion of, you know, anywhere between two to 7% of your audience being willing to pay for a premium membership and that being, you know, essentially a sense of, you know, your most highly engaged fans. And then, you know, a membership costing anywhere from, you know, five to fifteen dollars per month. Joe Rogan could have earned equal, if not more, money than he was getting from Spotify. And the beauty of it being he would own that audience, he would have a direct relationship with that audience for as long as he wants to continue podcasting. Every year he would be building and building and building on that recurring basis, as opposed to having a finite lifetime and then being reduced to nothing after that deal ends. And I think also not having to worry about the platform he's on approving his content or not. Absolutely. Even now, as we are approaching the 2021 inauguration day on January 20th, it's just two days away from the day we're recording this, cancel culture is alive and well. Mm -hmm. People are getting blocked out of platforms because they feature someone who has a differing opinion than the popular one. And I've heard, I'm not a Joe Rogan fan, but I've heard that there are certain episodes of Joe Rogan's show that you just can't find on Spotify now because they were that kind of a guest. That's right. I would bet Joe's not happy about that, but he signed a deal. What can he do? You know, I've also heard that, you know, various internal staff at Spotify, you know, took offense to certain episodes of his, which then, you know, kind of goes up the chain and maybe results in, you know, in censorship one way or another. When you're, you're, you know, you're the master of your own destiny, you don't have to listen to anybody. You, of course, get to write the rule books and, and decide what is a good fit for your audience as opposed to, you know, having to bow down the people that write the check. Well, Jason, I'm going to take a little break here for a little mid-roll thing. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about how this might apply to a more average podcaster, everyday podcaster, 100 downloads, 200 downloads, 300 downloads. We'll be right back. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I use Supercast myself. I'm going to include a link to my Supercast landing page so that you can take a look at how it looks for listeners in case you're considering this kind of a model. Now, I also wanted to make you aware I give out podcasting tips every single week 
in a one to two minute easy read. If you have not subscribed to the Podcast Optimizer series, man, what are you waiting for? Starting from square one at the very first email, you get value week after week after week with very few plugs for my services or things that I'm benefiting from in some way. And I'm honest about that. There's very few of them, but when they do, they're going to add value to you as well. So go to podcastfasttrack.com slash optimizer to get on the podcast optimizer email list. And now let's get back to the conversation with Jason from Supercast. Okay, Jason, let's talk about the normal kind of a podcaster. Someone, let's say, who has built their podcast over two to three years. They have an average download per episode of 330 days out from publication. And they're in a very specialized niche. I have one of my clients in mind who uh, is a fine artist, and her numbers are actually bigger than that. But it's a very particular niche audience. And if she were to turn that audience toward a membership, I could see, number one, in order to make significant amounts of revenue, she'd probably have to charge more per member in order to get significant revenue, but it could be done. Have you guys worked with any podcasters with shows of that size? We certainly have. There's a wide variety of ways to use Supercast. At the end of the day, you know, we provide the technology to serve private feeds and to create monthly plans and the ability to set up a landing page that makes it, you know, really easy to put a link in your show notes to your program. And then people can come in and get access to their private feed really easily. But the secret source is in obviously knowing what's a good fit for your audience and knowing what it is that they might pay for and how engaged they are and how hungry they are for that extra content from you. And so while we do have ranges for what a typical podcast might see in terms of either the conversion rate from free to paid or the price point, there are podcasters at pushing the upper ends on both of those spectrums because they just have really tight level of engagement with their audience. And I would say some of those with smaller audiences, in a lot of cases, they actually have an even higher level of engagement because they're able to like super serve the people in their community and they're able to just really tune into what that niche is for them. And as a result, you see that they have a much, much higher conversion rate. So, you know, I'm talking pushing up to, you know, 15%, 20% of your free listeners moving over to paid and then being able to drive that price up from, you know, even 10 to $15 a month to, in some cases, up to 50 because there is a special level of value that's being offered over and above just the standard ad-free version of a podcast, for instance. And so I'm thinking of the likes of a customer in Switzerland, you know, an art design school that's taken recordings of lectures that they had from the previous year and they've uploaded them to Supercast for a much higher price point. And because they are offering that to people who are familiar with the art design school, they have a much higher conversion rate as well. So there's certainly, yeah, lots of different ways to set things up. Mm, very interesting. Well, let's talk for a little bit about the types of perks that podcasters are offering that are enticing people to become members. Because I could see, depending on industry, depending on niche topics, uh, this could be any of a thousand different things. What are some of the things you've seen podcasters offer to members that regular listeners to their free podcast don't receive? 
So ad-free is a common one. Ad-free is great because it's easy for you as the podcaster. You know, a lot of, depending on how you are putting in your ads, if you're doing dynamic ads, for example, often, you know, podcast hosts that are enabling that also enable you to grab an ad-free RSS feed for inclusion into something like Supercast. So in those cases, it's, you know, really easy to set up because we can set up a live sync where we just pull across the ad-free versions of episodes to be uploaded to your private membership. You know, the reason why that's a great base level offering is it allows you to immediately monetize both segments of your audience. So the free side, obviously, they're getting content without having to pay anything, but, you know, you're using advertising as a way to make up for that. And then on the premium side for the highly engaged section of the fan base, you're earning a much, much higher return on each of those individual subscribers because they're paying you to, to $10 a month. That is really kind of the the lowest rung on the ladder. And if you were to just kind of stop there and maybe, you know, something else simple like giving access to your back catalog only to your premium membership, then those kinds of things might justify the lower end of that 2 to 7% range because it's just not a huge value that is going to motivate everyone to jump on board. And also, you know, like you couldn't charge $15 for something like that. You know, it would be more at the $5 end of the spectrum. But then as we overlay some of the additional things that I'm going to mention now, that's when you can start to ratchet up, you know, both the conversion rate and the price point. And so some of the more popular things that podcasters introduce as exclusive content include exclusive episodes. So, you know, if you're releasing an episode a week that you might do an additional episode, you know, once every two weeks or you know, maybe once a, a month as something that, you know, only your paid subscriber base gets access to. You can do extended episodes or extended interviews uh, where maybe as uh, free, do you only get to listen to 30 minutes out of an hour and then, you know, you save the last 30 minutes or the last 15 minutes for your paying members. And that's actually something that I do myself on the show that I host called Supercasters. You know, an, an additional tweak on that is having an ask me anything interview once a month once a quarter where you actually give access to your paid subscribers to be able to ask you questions and then you spend an episode answering those specific questions and giving them you know kind of direct access to be able to pick your brain on on your topic and so that's you know such a common type of benefit that's seen on Supercast that we've actually built up an AMA platform which you know I believe you use where your members can actually come in and write you a question in text form and then you as a podcaster you know, when you decide you want to record an AMA episode, you can actually go and see, you know, which questions are the most upvoted, record a single episode answering, let's say, five of those top questions, upload the audio, and then timestamp where those answers actually appear in that episode so that all of the people that are following on with a specific question get notified via email and can listen to the specific answer right from that timestamp. So yeah, a whole variety of neat things happening in terms of the value. And then over and above that, uh, we have creators that are offering email newsletters, also things like monthly Zoom calls where you know you get that live interaction. Yeah, those are all great ideas. And just so listeners know what I'm doing, I have a free podcast that's a daily six-minute sort of a, a morning mindset thing. And then there is an additional paid podcast that only partners or members 
are able to access. And it's a full episode, sort of a, a thing, like more of a typical podcast, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, rather than six minutes. And it's something that I've had really good response to. So it's really neat. And it's, it's funny, Jason, as you're mentioning the AMA sort of thing, I knew I had set AMA up on my platform and wasn't really paying attention to it. I just logged in and I have three questions there that I have not responded to. So I've got to get on it with that. Uh, that's pretty funny. Paid memberships are something that I think a lot of podcasters may feel a little hesitant to think that they have something worth value that would be worth a paid membership. I know I've heard this kind of thing. What would your response be to someone who says, I do have content, but I'm not sure I've got enough or have enough value to actually ask people to pay for more? What would you say to them? The future of being a creator is is changing. There is no doubt about this. I think an analogy is often the best way to to think about, you know, just how far we're able to come in a short space of time. You know, the analogy that I like to use is thinking about the internet, you know, and surfing the web in the 90s. Back in the 90s, you know, the only way websites were earning money is all of these ugly, you know, banner ads that were proliferating every single site. You know, it was, if you remember, it was like shoot the monkey style stuff, which they just use, you know, every scammy tactic to get you to click a, a banner so that, you know, the owner of the website could generate a few cents, you know, per click or even fractions of a cent. You know, that was how most websites and blogs and everything monetized back in the day. But, you know, fast forward to today, and of course, it's vastly different. You see far fewer, we still have too many ads, but, you know, far fewer proliferation of, of, of you know, just really bad ads like that because the number of ways that you can monetize has just exploded, uh, whether it be e-commerce stores, whether it be teachable courses, you know, live courses that you can package up and sell to your listener base to private memberships and being able to pay for access to a community. And I think, you know, we're just going to see the same thing for podcasting. You know, today, still, advertising is the number one way for a podcast to monetize. And it's easy and it's a well-trodden path. And, you know, if you have a big enough listener base, you can certainly get the attention of advertisers. But nevertheless, it's a lot of hard work. And anybody that runs a show that has an advertiser will tell you it's hard work keeping up that revenue stream and, and making sure that, you know, week after week, month after month, quarter after quarter, you know, your advertising pipeline is full. And of course, you know, with with COVID and everything that happened last year, you know, there were certainly ebbs and flows to that revenue stream. That's why we love membership as a source of revenue. You know, the first thing I would point out is that, you know, it doesn't have to be advertising or membership. It can be both. In that way, um, you're able to set up that beautiful relationship that I was just talking about previously where you monetize the free audience via ads and then monetize and essentially super serve the most engaged members of your fan with the, the premium feed. Two revenue streams ultimately is better than one and it you know puts you on much, much stronger footing to be able to control your own destiny and you know just take the pressure off you know one revenue stream needing to deliver everything that allows you your creative freedom and independence. What I would also say is that podcasting is a very special medium. Even on your free podcast, you know, you have built up a level of trust with your audience that just is really not comparable to a lot of other mediums. You know, you you look at 
text, for example. Everyone expects that, you know, if you read anything on the internet, that's free. And, you know, some people will pay for things on the New York Times, for example. Some people will pay for newsletters. And really, that is the ability to support a creator for the content that they're going to produce in the future. So I subscribe to a few newsletters. Ben Thompson has this, you know, amazing newsletter called Stratechery, which really paved the path for not only being able to monetize a newsletter, but also tools like Substack that allow lots of different newsletter writers to be able to create a paid newsletter. And we're seeing this play out in a a range of different industries, whether it be Substack for newsletter writing or Supercast for podcasts. But the real beauty of the podcast medium over text and even, you know, video is the ability to capture a listener's imagination, you know, week after week for episodes that could be anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half. And in doing so, you are really starting off already at a level of extremely high engagement. And so that idea of getting those super engaged people to be able to support you with a monthly payment just seems a lot closer, like you're already three steps closer than what we're seeing with other mediums. Yeah, I love that. That is a great answer. Now, before we wrap up, let's just talk through some of the practicals of Supercast because that's primarily what we're talking about here. And I'm just going to walk through my experience Jason, feel free to just jump in and interject anything that you think would help to clarify what I'm saying. If you go to the Supercast website, you're going to see their landing page with all the sales, blah, 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 all that stuff. And it's not to demean it at all. It's just, you know, we're all familiar with those pages. But if you go to the pricing page, to me, it's a very simple and beautiful way that this is set up. Once you set up Supercast thing, it's not a monthly fee, like $15 a month for this much and $25 a month for this much. It's a 59 cent per member per month price that you pay, plus your fees you have to pay to Stripe to get the transaction process. So it's 2.9% plus 30 cents per transaction. In my mind, Jason, you can correct me here if I'm wrong. In my mind, this compares somewhat to Patreon in the sense that you can set up tiers of partnership and you can set up different types of rewards that you give to those people as being a partner at that level. But to me, this is so much simpler than Patreon when it comes to audio files, because with Patreon, they'll provide you a feed address, but you have to figure out how to explain to your new partner how to get that feed address into their podcasting platform. Supercast is not that way. They sign up, they are immediately taken to the subscription page for your private feed and can choose their podcast player right there from the page and it automatically subscribes them once they've paid. It's just an amazing friction-free way of getting a new member into Supercast, which honestly is why I moved from Patreon to Supercast because it was just too cumbersome to get someone actually into the private feed. So Jason, what have I left out and what are some features there that I didn't mention that people should know about? With regards to Patreon versus Supercast, yeah, we set up solely to serve the needs of podcasters. And so, you know, a lot of the podcasters that we've spoken to, you know, that did have Patreon bases before, you know, you included, um, but also, you know, another customer, Canada Land, you know, that had built up a Patreon base 
of over $35,000 per month, you know, over the course of seven years, they had got themselves to a point where they had thousands of paying subscribers. But when Supercast came about and, you know, we pitched them on the idea of, you know, using a podcast first membership model, they looked at it and they thought, wow, you know, 10 steps to get a private feed for Patreon versus five steps for Supercast and the ability to use Apple Pay and Google Pay and things like that. Yeah, it seems a lot easier. But Maybe we've already, you know, squeezed all of the juice out of the audience, so to speak. And and nevertheless, they thought, let's run an experiment for a month and see whether we can get 100 paying members in addition to what we've already got on Patreon to be able to sign up via Supercast. And of course, they were going to promote this to the people that hadn't already signed up for Patreon because, you know, why would you try and get somebody to move across if you don't, if you don't have to, if they're already paying you? And so lo and behold, you know, we were all blown away when they were able to capture 400 new paying members in that first month. And despite the fact that they hadn't promoted to Patreon, they had a few people come across from Patreon and take the time to actually write into Candleland's customer support and say that they were so happy with this new way of doing things because now they could access the private feed in their podcast player as opposed to logging into Patreon. Now, of course, you and I both know that with Patreon, it's actually possible to get that private feed into your podcast player. But the fact that you have to go through 10 steps to do it just means that the everyday person doesn't figure out you know how that's possible or just gets confused about how to do that it's painful Uh, and so if they're if they're not able to unlock that value and to get that recurring benefit of what they've paid for then you can only imagine that uh, you know a high percentage of those are going to stop paying you after a month or a couple of months that's the real value that we seek to unlock with supercast is just to make it so brain dead simple for people to be able to get in set up their subscription payment to you on a recurring basis and then get their feed into their podcast player of choice that's also another important distinction is we don't require a specific podcast player or a special app to download we want to go where listeners already are and so any podcast player that they're using whether it be apple podcasts unfortunately spotify doesn't support private podcasting that's you know kind of their choice but apple podcasts pocket casts overcast the vast majority of podcast players out there support private podcasts and so we just make it two clicks for somebody to add the private feed into their podcast player and from there on outwards supercast is invisible And it's so, so simple compared to what I was doing before. So thank you for such a simple and elegant way of doing that. Jason, I'm going to link to all your social media profiles in the show notes for this episode. And listeners, you can find those both in the description for this episode on your podcast player and on the website at podcastfasttrack.com. So Jason, I sure appreciate your time. I appreciate Supercast. And I have to say publicly, I appreciate the responsiveness of your team. Every time I send in a suggestion or a problem or any kind of question, they are just right on it with good, solid answers, no templated forms. It's always real personal. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. We very much pride ourselves on that and the idea that we're really going into partnership with all of the podcasters that we bring onto the platform. And it's, you know, through that partnership and the ability to really put ourselves in our creators' shoes that we're able to create success for them, which ultimately turns into success for us. Well, Jason, my best to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Gary. Hello. One of the things I love about a membership model is the way it can scale as your audience scales. Did you hear Jason make that point? As your audience grows, your membership naturally grows as well. Just the industry statistics are going to make that so. 
as long as you're putting the offer in front of them in a way that is appealing and demonstrates how they will receive value from it. So what do you think about Supercast? What do you think about a paid membership for your current listeners? I think this will work for most podcasters out there. And it doesn't have to start big, but it can get tremendously big. That's all the time we got for today. It's time for you to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Thank you.